You are listening to episode 17 of the InspireWire podcast. Welcome Welcome to to the InspireWire, a podcast podcast where where ideas are exchanged, exchanged, worlds are traveled, and life life is experienced. experienced. This This is the InspireWire with your host, Tom Murphy. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 17 of the InspireWire podcast. I am here today with Chris LaFleur, my former teammate and classmate from Williams College uh, from the football team. And we talk about a lot of different things, specifically his involvement in a lot of political activism and community organizations in the Detroit area where he grew up and where he continues to live and be active in the community. He is also currently uh, in an internship with the Black Caucus uh, Foundation um, in Washington, D.C., and um, he talks about a lot of different things and ways that you can get involved and be active within your community and really create change in that city or through an organization or a lot of different avenues. So I was really excited to talk to him and it really came out well. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. So let's head to the interview. I I forget when it was, but uh, I was just like scrolling through my feed and stuff and saw that how you had a blog and everything and, and that you're doing a lot of stuff lately. Um, so I wanted to reach out and see like, you know, what you've been up to and kind of an, an interview, obviously, and yeah. uh, see how, how you've been doing since college. Yeah. Um, you want me to uh, start? I'm not yeah. Tell you yeah, yeah. Just just whatever, you know, mm-hmm. what, what it's been like after college, what you've been up to. I re- I found you're, you're in Michigan. Were you, mm-hmm. you weren't in Detroit. You were in Ann Arbor, and now you're back in Detroit or what? Oh, uh, no. So, um no, I was in Detroit uh, a couple years ago. I did a little program in Ann Arbor. Okay. Uh, so that, that was that's that's what that was. But um, yeah, after uh, after college, I I took a little position with Detroit City Council. Uh, it was like a summer internship, I guess. Um, that was that was really really fun. Um, I learned so much. Like my second day on the job, I was like negotiating policy uh, for like a really big. Um, um, thing that went on the ballot. It was called community benefit agreements. Uh, community benefit agreements were, was this thing where, um, if the city entered into a deal worth, um, you know, X amount of money, whether it be 15 million or 75 million, those were the two debate points. But if, they, if the city enters into a deal with like a developer or a company or anything like that, like to give public money, uh, then then a community organization, uh, or the city of Detroit, depending on the version of the, um, bill that was adopted would have to enter into a community benefits agreement with th- that company. And really this was a, a, a thing that was done to, you know, sort of stop gentrification um, or, you know, yeah. taking over the neighborhoods of, of the city. And people, honestly, it was a great deal of it was due to like a government, like distrust, like no one trusted the city, the city of Detroit officials to, uh, do that um, to ensure that the neighborhoods were going to stay um, for those people who 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 live there. Yeah. Um, 
So that was that was my second day on the job, man. That honestly, I I could not have asked for a better learning experience. You know, I, you go through four years of college, and you know you don't get that. Um, no, so. yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're just thrown right into the fire, and I mean, I'm sure you learned like an incredible amount more just in you know maybe the first few months than you would in like a policy class, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, uh, that's a really cool um, you know opportunity and and to also be able to do it in a place where you grew up you know mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's, it's, that's so cool that um, I'm very blessed I think um, to to be you know from Detroit and have Detroit um, you know to support me because uh, I love I love that city like to like crazy um, but also man it's it it gets purpose man because there's so, there's so much work to be done. If I didn't have it, honestly, I didn't. I don't know what I'd be doing. I, I, I don't. I'm. I'm not good with finance and stuff like that. I don't. I, don't, I, I mean, I try and write, but like, I don't have. I'm not artistic or anything like that. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah. like, so like, it, it really does give me like purpose and something to do, and that's like the best feeling in the world. So yeah. I'm eternally grateful for that. Yeah. So when you were at Williams, uh, mm-hmm. did you? Was it really the fact that you grew up in Detroit and and really had a passion for it and improving it, or was it also that your academic interests kind of fed into that, or like a combination of both? Like, did you have because you wanted to improve Detroit, it it um you know made you want to pursue specific academic interests at Williams? Yeah. So I mean, a lot of this stems way before Williams to my mom. My mom is like the biggest like community activist you'll ever meet. She all like me and her run a a, a non or not really non profit. It's kinda like a community organization. We teach uh you know, it's called M Years, Michigan Youth Education Access Resource Services. Uh it's like a we run an after school program at a recreation center, right where I grew up on the east side, a Farwell Recreation Center. Uh we do all these types of things. So it was my mom who who would be in schools and running, you know, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and Cub Scouts, all that type of stuff. Uh, my mom doing all these programs, um, actually giving back. And, and that's what led me to want to do that. When I got to Williams, Williams provided me an opportunity to to study how the most uh, it gave me another tool at my disposal to, to make change. It gave me more precise, you know. Uh, weaponry yeah uh, social uh, skills you know yeah. you know academic prowess and things like that yeah. yeah 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 policy crafting like uh that type of stuff uh experience uh you know i mean even connections like i i got my um i i got to do so many things at williams you know winter study period i i, I worked for elizabeth warren so i mean like that it, it was, that was a unique experience and i and i do have williams to thank for that um but yeah, man, uh, uh, like political economy, I was a polyech major. That gives me such an edge in, like, because I actually, uh, I spent, spent four years at, you know, one of the top schools in the country, like, learning how to craft policy. I had to do that to graduate. So, um, it was, yeah. So, I mean, it all fit together. Yeah, no, that's, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Um, and so Detroit, that, so you've been living there since college, and you've been doing a lot of different things. What what was this recent one you were you know talking about? And you were creating what you created this event. I think you were the event organizer. Was that part of your 
um, community organization with your mom, or was that something nah. that you kind of reached out and did this? Well, yeah, it was something I just came up with my own. I, I'll tell you the whole story about it. Yeah. Um, so, what really, uh, you mentioned my blog. Uh, yeah. What ha- so after uh, after the the election, um, I worked on. I had the summer internship with city council, and then after that, I went. I worked on um, the, my city council person's uh, reelection. Um, and after we won that election, I took a took a job with a law firm out in Ann Arbor. Um, I lasted there three months. Uh, I did not, I didn't like it as much. It was, it was, I don't know. It, it, I didn't, it was, it was great, great work. I got into a car accident and I was driving out, uh, an hour every day and it just didn't, it didn't work out. So, I mean, like after I had that car accident, I had to leave. Um, and so I was basically sitting on my butt, uh, for a little while and I didn't know what to do. And so the first thing I did was I started writing. Uh, I honestly just wanted to, to get back into the swing of things. The first thing I wrote about actually, um, was, uh, um, like Tom Brady and the, and, uh, and what he did with Roger Goodell. Okay. And I, yeah. Just like sticking it to the man. Uh, you know, it was, they had that whole player discipline thing and, and Brady was able to, you know, <laughs> like not only serve his penalty, but come back and pull off the greatest Super Bowl of all time. That was crazy, man. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I know. I know you. I know you enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the fact that you know something as little at like as little as that creates such a huge wave when mm-hmm. when the NFL has to be that stubborn and and yeah. and mm-hmm. things like that it was it was amazing to see you know the retribution mm-hmm. tour and everything. So you kind of just talked about that. Yeah. So I talked about that. I talked about labor rights in general. Um, and one of the things that, um, the sticking point of Tom Brady's thing was collective bargaining. The collective bargaining agreement had article, I think it was 46, where Roger Goodell had anything, he had the power to do anything to protect the integrity of the game. And that gave him just a wild range of power and everything. And so, I don't know, that was the first thing I wrote about. Uh, it, it was just talking about that and player safety and, you know, uh, opioids and mar- versus marijuana usage in the NFL and all yeah. types of stuff. And you, uh, ta- and you talked about, um, I think I read that, and you talked about what, what the, the future of the NFL will be because mm-hmm. there are so many issues with policy, like you were saying, mm-hmm. as far as between the players and the and the owners, and how um, the NFL is seeing all these other sports uh, allowing more and more cap space and allowing more bigger yep. contracts and things mm-hmm. like that. And the other thing that the NFL brings to the table is players are consistently just um, – putting their bodies up it's literally like they're selling their bodies and they're really taking a toll on them as opposed to other uh sports although basketball you know you're you're playing so much and you're it's literally like a track meet every other night so but uh yeah i thought it was interesting because what you were kind of proposing was like it's it's really difficult to um create these agreements so you're you're thinking that as long as the players association stays strong, it it seems like it's going to be difficult to come to an agreement in 2020. Yeah, they need. Yeah, it, it, what it takes is you know unity from the player side um, because the NFL owners aren't going to budge. Uh, it's going to it's going to be interesting. I um I I expect a lot of stuff to be written on it. The reason why I wanted to write on it because was one I was when I was working for that law firm, it was a labor and employment law firm, and it kind of went together. Uh, 
um, and my city council person was union. So it all made it all just went together. Uh, but organizing just in general, and this, I, this is like a basic tenet of, of everything I've been doing. Organizing together just in general makes you much, much stronger. We're much stronger to get to le- collectively as a unit um, than we are apart. And I learned I'm going to learn that in football. I learned that yeah. doing, growing up. So, I mean, like and I take that approach um, I mean, to everything I do. Um but yeah, so I wrote that blog, Seaflow Manifesto. My little blog title is <laughs> lame. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the next one I wrote, or not, I don't know if it was the next one, but one of the next ones I wrote uh, was about um, banking black. Okay. And, and so what I did, I would, I told you I worked for that city council job, and I told you my mom was a was like community activist going all all over the city. Uh, and I told you I worked on that uh, city council campaign going all, all over the city. And so when I went, go all over the city to these community meetings and talking to people, like, and that was my job every day, like, you get a certain you, – you start to understand, like, exactly what people think and, like, because you hear it so much. Uh, yeah, poli- but, politicians can only hide so much. Like, they do a great job of it, but if you hear them enough, you're going to see what their true feelings are, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and it, and it works both ways though. It works both ways because uh, you see you see them you see the politician enough, you know exactly what they're thinking. But the, the politician, the whole point of him being a community representative is that he goes to the community and talks to people all the time, and he understands what the community feels. That's the whole that's the whole idea of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so I was doing that. I was going. I mean, I was my job was to go out and talk to people, and so when I would talk to people, I would hear the same type of message. And in Detroit, there's two things. It's either um, you either live close to downtown and midtown and you're seeing, you know, this reinvestment into those communities and you're seeing this gentrification. Or that's what or um, right before your eyes or you're seeing, you know, you're living, you know, closer out to eight mile road or somewhere like that. And you're seeing, you know, this urban abandonment and there's like no investment. And so, I mean, like, that's what people would say every time. Um and um, when you're, I, I say this all the time, when you're dealing with something like that and you're just a person who has a day-to-day job and you don't know, like, you know, you're worried about your own basic, um, you know, you know, upkeep, you know, you don't have time to, you know, mobilize and do all that type of stuff. You don't have time to, you know, try and, you know, fight these macro level forces as a single individual. Um, but you know, I wrote, I wrote a blog about why Detroit needs to bank black and like there's a black owned bank in Detroit. Uh, and I said, if, 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 if black Detroit, um, is worried about gentrification and, you know, urban abandonment and everything like that, um, that's real, but there's ways that we as a people can work together to sort of fight it. And we have to do it together. One of the ways is by pulling, pulling all the money together into a bank. Um, there's community banks, um, and, and then there's, there's black owned banks and there's credit, um, unions and all that type of stuff. And those banks, small banks, uh, are more, much more likely to use the money that you give, um, to reinvest it back into the community. Like right. if you, if you, most people bank with like a national bank, like Chase Bank or something like that. You don't know what Chase Bank does with your money, yeah. but. Um, these smaller banks kind of go out of their way to tell you that we gave out 700 mortgages in the past year to, uh, you know, your neighborhoods. Um, yeah, there's a lot more transparency with a small bank because mm-hmm. what they're trying to do is promote themselves and, and say, you know, we're here for you as opposed to a large company 
which they they can't really say that because they everybody knows it's not true. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I wrote that article. Um, said like uh, the way we combat these forces is owning the land and owning the businesses within our neighborhoods. If you if you really want to fight this, you have to you have to fight it. And the way the, the way the war is being fought is with money. Um, anyways. I wrote that article, you know, I put it on Twitter. I used the hashtag Bank Black and I, that kind of, someone, um, this organization, Bank Black USA, who is really trying to do that whole thing on a nationwide scale. Um, they, uh, they did, they picked up my, uh, the they article? picked up, yeah, they picked up my article and I got kind of, um, I, they wanted me to be in, um, uh, their Detroit person. So that's how I kind of got involved with that. And, that organization did um, was was doing a nationwide movement for Juneteenth, and that's how I started my little Juneteenth program that you saw. Um, it was it was basically me writing, and that's what I'm saying. Me losing that job in that car accident. Um, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't start. I wouldn't have started writing. Uh, and if I didn't start writing, I would have never got linked up with this organization. And then if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't have had the inspiration to do my Juneteenth thing. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy how that works, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've actually noticed, like, when someone, you know, when you have a break in time where you kind of, you know, you're trying to reassess what what I'm what I'm about, what I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, you kind of get back to, you know, what you're really passionate about. And like you said, you started this blog, and uh, you know, it, you got you got lucky in the sense that someone reached out to you and things like that. So, yeah, exactly. um, you know, prop, props for that. And uh, so this Juneteenth thing. So you you brought in a bunch of guests, and mm-hmm. what that did was try to make awareness to um, this specific day. What June nineteenth was it? Yeah. So so June Juneteenth. Um, just like recap, like just brief brief history of that. Juneteenth is the day that um, we we celebrate the end of chattel slavery in this country uh, on June nineteenth, eighteen sixty five. So before that, uh, we always talk about the Emancipation Proclamation being the you know the, the official order that um, supposedly freed the slaves, but um, the Emancipation Proclamation was issued in a time of war. Um, the North was still fighting the South, and when when Abraham Lincoln said, "Okay, all slaves are freed," the South is like. Uh, nah, bro, we're at war. I'm not gonna listen to you. Um, so that yeah. continued until 1865. Um, and, and, and on June 19th, 1865, Union soldiers, uh, went into Galveston, Texas. And they were led by General Gordon Granger, I think his name was. Uh, and he issued this, uh, order saying that this, this, uh, you know, all the slaves are free now. And that was like, the uh, the actual celebration like once that happened you know chains were literally let um off of people um um chains were broken and so that was the day that um slavery for that community ended and it's been a not adopted nationwide um uh, as a, a holiday um so i i wrote up uh after my time in city council um i kind of and working for that law firm i kind of got a sense of how legal documents were written and um, the literal meaning behind every word that was written. Um, so I kind of got a little experience with that. Um, I was able to, and I, and I wanted to write something for, um, I wanted to write something for Juneteenth. Um, 
typically uh typically city council passes a um a, or a like a resolution every year about that but um i wanted to do something to make it an annual celebration so that we wouldn't have to do that anymore and i wanted to rebrand uh the thing as um a day of economic liberation i wanted to do it so it would be um like i said in my i said in the resolution juneteenth is the end of the chattel slavery we celebrate that but we don't um you have to understand the history of it that slavery wasn't the only form of economic oppression that you know black people in this country faced yeah the the fight's not over kind of thing yeah exactly so after slavery came you know sharecropping um redlining uh, mass incarceration came directly out of slavery, Reconstruction era, and they still exist to this day. Uh, Detroit deals with gentrification. That's another form. Uh, so, I mean, what I'm saying is I wanted to, to brand this not only as a day of remembrance for Juneteenth, but also a day of action so that people understand, contextualize their history and contextualize their present so that we can build a better future. Um, so that's why I basically wrote in my resolution. Uh, I got that, and, and I was fortunate enough to submit it to my council member, Janae Ayers, who I, my boss, I, I forgot to give her a shout out directly. But yeah, so she took my resolution, uh, took, um, and, and that got passed through city council, and I was really excited. Um, so we wanted to make it, like I said, we wanted to make it a day of action. Um, so <clears throat> not only with the resolution, we, uh, we had, um, we had an event and the whole point of the event was to organize community groups. Um, you have this problem of black wealth that, you know, um, bank black USA recognized that, you know, for every dollar of white wealth there is in this country, every dollar a white family has in this country, black families only have six cents. That's like a real fact. Um, it's like, that's the, that's the true wealth inequality problem of America. Wait, well, wait, can you repeat that? What was that? Yeah. For every dollar of wealth that a white family owns, like collectively, um, black families only own six cents. Wow. So if you, yeah, that's that's what I said. It's like it, it's just, it's startling. It's uh, when you think about that, but I mean that's what it is. So really, it's about like we have to continue, like start to actually actively build that wealth within the community. Uh, it, has, it has to be an intentional thing. Um, so um, I'm sure it's hard for you to kind of think about a problem like that because it's something like you said where you need to create a unit and create mm-hmm. a group in order to. In, uh, affect change in a community mm. and for a lot you know, for a lot of people like like you're saying six cents on the dollar it's very difficult to you know create change when a lot of people are just trying to you know get by or or just trying to uh, th- those those things aren't on their mind when when they have other you know more important things on their mind in their opinion you know mm-hmm. yeah exactly uh so after, um, so that's why um, we tried to on for the event itself. We got all these uh, different um, community groups that are working to build that wealth. We got uh, one guy. Um, we got the the first people to get get behind me actually is was the Osborne Business Association. That's over on the east side of Detroit, close to where I'm from. Uh, what they do is they try and. Uh, uh, promote entrepreneurship in the city. What they do is they they teach people how to start and run their own businesses, give them training, all that type of stuff. Um, 
and then have a business association for them, for those businesses that do go through the program and are successful to sort of collaborate and sort of like build that, uh, you know, that, you know, sharing of wealth that we that I'm talking about. Uh, and so I got them and then I got another program called Operation Hope. Operation Hope was, is a program that, um, uh, teaches financial literacy um and helps people get their you know fi- their their little finances their debt in order their taxes in order um all that type of stuff um uh really great program and finally we got uh all for one detroit which is another organization um that is trying to build uh trying to, it has a lot of poverty reduction services education services um it was really um and they also have um, the same guy who runs that also runs the Pleasant Heights Economic Development Corporation, which is another little mini organization, a little a neighborhood organization that is uh, like trying to do it on the like the very, very micro level uh, grassroots. Um, so it was great to have all those different, um, you know, community leaders come and talk. Um, my council member also co-hosted the event, Janae Ayers, and she was able to talk about her returning citizens task force. That was um, uh, uh, that's in a, a program designed to, to help people who are just returning from prison uh, find a job and find uh, housing and all that type of stuff. It's a really great program, especially once you once because once you get out of prison, the recidivism rates are so high. You're probably going to go back to prison because there are no resources that are, are made for you. And no one wants to, um, you know, give you a job or anything like that because you're a convicted felon. So. Yeah, yeah the, the culture, the culture around, um, well, and the policy that we have around prison and the way that it's structured, you know, mm-hmm. with with a lot of it being privatized, is you know, it's it's a really tough, not only for someone who goes into prison and then comes out, but just in general, the like incarceration rate exactly is is you know off the charts. Where we like the United States has the highest incarceration rate in, in the world, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Um, so, yeah, no, that's cool. You're able to get a wide range of different people who are, who are you know, being active in the community. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I also read another blog, I think, that you wrote, and one of the things that you were really arguing for was increased, um, you know, mass transportation. Um and you thought that that would be really important as far as, you know, getting people um, around the city. Um, was that was that what the main point of it was to extend the the transport to uh, further areas in Detroit? Yeah. So that's uh, it goes along the same lines. Uh, the Juneteenth thing, I tried to organize that to increase, you know, opportunity. So I brought all these uh programs together and like i say well here is you know if you need help with this 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 or this you know here's the blueprint for getting that help uh public transportation works along the same lines um a person only has so many different job opportunities that they're able to get to based on their geographic location public what public transportation does it, it extends that map um, but in Detroit, we have such a disjointed and underfunded uh, transportation uh, system that, you know, people are effectively shut out of all these different job opportunities. And if we're talking about building wealth, you know, the first thing you have to do is have a steady form of income. Um, so, yeah, 
I mean, that was uh, that was the whole point of that. Uh, I've been working I'm on a board of directors for this uh, transit agency, or excuse me, transit transit activist group called Motor City Freedom Riders. Uh, I've been working. I've been working on this though since uh, since college. Actually, I wrote. Uh, I did a fellowship with it with, with Williams like my junior year. So I mean, it's been something I've been working on for a while. That's uh, crazy. You you got. It seems like you got so much going on. You know. Um, so I guess maybe explain like what you know a typical week is because are you like working? You're working for city council now or no? No, no. I'm actually I'm actually in D.C. right now. Uh, I'm doing a, a summer sort of internship with the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. Uh, yeah, um, it's really cool. They selected like a bunch of like, I guess, 46 different um, uh, kids from across the from across the country. Um, we're like emerging leaders or something like that. Uh, and we're in this uh, you know summer program. I'm with my representative, John Kyers from Detroit, and he actually is the uh, uh, dean of the House of Representatives, so that's really a, a pleasure. He's like a legend. Uh, so, um, so yeah. So I mean, like lots, like especially doing this Juneteenth thing, it was kind of hard because I was actually working in D.C. trying to plan a, a event in Detroit, uh, and I had to I had to fly home for it and everything. I'm sure they were encouraging that, you know, though, because yeah. you know that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. I was I'm very fortunate that they um you know allowed me to continue to work on it uh while I was here. Um, yeah, so that was great, but yeah, I mean, uh, keeping up with all this stuff is, 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 is actually, I mean, it's fun. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I, like, I kind of do. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, I studied this stuff in school. So, I mean, like, actually getting to live it out is really cool. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you own your small business, you're doing it because you love it. And, and when you got these things you're passionate about, you are maybe spending more hours working on it, but it's something you love. So, exactly, exactly. You know that's that's really cool. So um, as far as where this leaves you, like you're gonna be here, you're gonna be in this internship um, till the end of the summer, and then you're you're planning on going back to Detroit and kind of getting things moving as well, keep it going. Yeah, my first thing um, on my list is probably you know when I get I get this thing ends in July 29th, uh, I'm probably gonna go back to uh, Detroit. Detroit has primary elections coming up August 8th. Uh, so that's probably gonna be the first thing on my list uh, to do, like just show the home team and everything. Uh, after that, I, I mean, I'm right now I'm uh, looking for my next step, but um, uh, we'll I, we'll see where it, where it goes from here. Uh, I'm 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 no problem, you know. I'm not worried. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and regardless of what you do like you're saying when you have this internship you're still able to remain active in your city and when you have um say you you are working a, a different job that you know may take up some of your time you're still able to have that you know thing on the side where you're really you know being active you know in whether it's a community group or it's with the city council or whatever what have you you know that that's that's um you know, it's a lot of time, but you know, it's obviously rewarding. You know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm honestly, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy what I'm doing now. Like, um, I mean, I just want to like this program I'm in through the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation is actually like it's incredible. Um, like I said, the the, the cohort I'm in, we're all we're all staying together. Uh, George Washington University, and I'm just like with some of like the, like you know, 
great young minds of the, of the country, and it's just an, it's an enjoyment to be around all, all these all my new friends. So like yeah. that's just. I'm sure I'm sure you met some people really doing some great things. Are, are they all like? Are you like one of the younger guys? I'm guessing or no? No, I'm actually one of the older guys. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's mostly it's mostly college students and everything. It's pretty much everyone. Every, yeah, everyone's a college student. Oh so. wow! All right. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So you you kind of get to see how how they're doing. You give them a little bit of you know background and expertise uh-huh. a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it goes both ways. Everyone's, like, here just talking and sharing ideas and everything, so blessing. Yeah, that's, you know, that that's cool. And uh, so, and you're planning on, like, how, how often do you do you write in your blog, just whenever you have, have something you feel like writing about? Yeah, um, I, I've been trying to do more of that. I, when this Juneteenth stuff came up, um, it kind of took a backseat. Uh like um i'm actually I, i've written some stuff that you know I, I don't even put out anymore uh just um it's because of the nature of what i write but um it's uh i'm looking forward to getting back into it there's a bunch of different stuff so i want stuff i want to talk about like i want to talk about um like we we often talk about in in politics like state rights i want to hit on city rights i want to talk about um like how that is a, a often neglected part of our, um, you know, politics, but it's a very important thing, especially in Detroit, and especially talking in in the wake of like the Flint crisis and everything like that. That's very important to to understand. Um, yeah, that's I, crazy. I, I I don't know much about it, but um, you know, it seems like there's always you know something. There's always like room for improvement in in, in Detroit. You know, um, just the anyway. Yeah, anywhere, you know, it, and, um, you know, something like that. That's that's not just a city issue. That's like uh, that's like U.S. scale, because like something like that, that's a uh, that needs to be provided for something like clean water. You know, mm. it's, it's yeah. crucial. The type of, you know, the type of neglect that went went down in Flint, um, you know, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it, it, I remember, uh, you know, you look at. I think about Hurricane Katrina and how that like was just like left alone for so long. And they were like, you know, this is a huge, like people are literally, you know, on the tops of rooftops of their homes and everything like that. It, the thing about Detroit and the thing about Flint is like, these are, these processes are like it, like natural disasters come in like that, like uh, in the moment. And they like, they, you know, wreck a community. Like these, the processes that went into, uh, Detroit's and Flint's, you know, sort of decline was like over a long, extended amount of time, like decades. And so you like, you can wake up one morning and look, go outside and look around and be like, what the heck just happened? But like, it's not, it doesn't evoke that same type of response as, you know, uh, you know, uh, like a natural disaster or anything like that. But like the, the response has to be, um, you know, from you know collectively government or wherever you talk, talk about has to be you know the exact has to meet the force of the decline it needs to be targeted investment targeted all this type of stuff and so i mean that's what we're working trying to trying to do i mean that's what we're trying to do here in congress even though i don't know if we're going to get anything passed but like while i'm while i'm up here i'm working on that so <laughs> yeah definitely yeah it's it's you know for some people, when they see something like that, you know, it, it makes them really want to get involved and and try to correct the situation as best they can. Or when someone sees, you know, um, 
something that they think is unjust or some you know something like that they want to reach out and get involved some way how would you recommend um just a you know normal citizen mm-hmm. anybody who is interested in trying to create a positive impact in their community it's it's you know it's not as simple as it seems because yeah. a lot of people say oh well you can call your your state rep or you can call you know someone in in um who's representing you but mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that i'm i'm sure that you know that kind of that yeah. are yeah. maybe maybe more practical yeah exactly no 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 i'm so glad you asked me that because like i think that's when i mean most crucial the most important things to understand you know it's really difficult for someone uh to find out like how best to get involved and how even to do it especially uh if they're not from that community um so i mean what you can do is, uh, I mean, one, you always have to be mindful of, of that if you are not from there, is, um, that type of thing. But um, the places where you all, where you can go is where you find the community, and that's in your, you know, social infrastructure, your, your schools, your your libraries, your rec centers. That is where people are. That is where like youth is. You know, you need to. That's where you know there's a lot of work that could be done. There's a lot of different programs. Like Detroit, Detroit Public Library System has this program called Detroit Reads, and like Detroit has one of the highest illiteracy rates in the country. And you can literally teach someone how to read if you wanted to um, do that. If you wanted to go to the rec centers, so many, uh, like I said, I have that program with my mom, the after school program, like mentorship. Uh, like people, like that, that, that's, um, there's so many different ways to get involved, and, and, and there's like this, this knowledge gap um, where like, if, I mean, if, if people were able to understand that better, uh, they would probably, there probably would be more done. But, you know, that's what I would just try and find where, where people are. Um, you know, the internet is a great tool also. There's so many different, um, organizations out there working to do, um, working to build. Uh, if you have a specific, you know, policy interest or a specific thing that you want to act upon, you know, go Google search it. Um, like there's, there's so many different people already doing the great work. Um, you know, long before I even, you know, was, was on this earth, there were people, you know, doing great things. So, I mean, it, it, it's not hard to find, but it does take effort to, to, to find it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I totally get what you're saying as far as the knowledge gap and, and there being a lot of opportunities to kind of just, you know, I remember when I was in college, uh, there was, you know, the elementary school tutoring program where you, uh, at the local, you know, uh, elementary school and how, you know, you could just volunteer and you could help someone with a specific subject at, after school, just finding things like that where, you know, and you do find that in a library or in a public, um, public area where, you know, you just, there'll be posters or you can talk to someone in charge and be like, oh, I want to, you know, volunteer my time in doing this, this, or this. And, um, you, you're going to get a response obviously. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely, you know, important. And obviously, a ton of people, you know, it's a time commitment, but it's something that you often get a huge reward out of it because what you're doing is you're helping someone, you know, with their life, improve their life, improve their education, anything, anything really to help that, you know. Yeah, man, like I said, it goes both ways, man. It's uh you get in what you, I mean, you get out what you put into it. So, I mean, if you, if you really want to, if you push your time and effort into making this world a better place, it'll make you a better person. So, like I said, it, 
I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I don't even try and approach it like saying from a selfish point of view or anything like that, because that's not what it is. This is uh, I literally get so much out of it. So, I mean, I have no problems putting in it, uh, putting it into it. So, yeah. I mean, no, you yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I um, I I think it's really cool what you're doing. And I've uh, been I've been reading everything you've been putting out and seeing what's up. Um, and I and I hope. I wish you the best of luck with everything, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and kind of telling everyone, you know, what what you've been up to and and you know how you can get involved and you know encouraging everybody. And uh, maybe we'll have you on again to talk about what else you've been up to. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for reaching out to me, dude. That was I, for real, man. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, so I guess I'll uh, talk to you talk to you later. All right, man. Stay easy. Yeah. Yep. All right, everyone. That was the interview with Chris LaFleur. I had a really good time talking to him. Uh, we finally got someone who was interested in talking politics on the show, and he was able to demonstrate a lot of his you know, exploits in the specific er- arena of um, political activism and it seems like he's got a lot going on and and it was nice to hear all the good things he's doing you know um he was able to be a part of this new internship at the black caucus in in washington dc and and meanwhile he's able to still make an impact on his hometown of detroit um so I look forward to talking to him in the future and learning about what he's continuing to do um, in Detroit. One's, uh, one specific thing that I thought uh, Chris demonstrated and and talked about was how easy it is for the everyday citizen to really get involved and uh, contribute to you know their community in multiple ways and really just ask around and see those ways that they can can, um, help out, contribute in a multitude of ways. And that's something that definitely, you know, nowadays needs to happen. And and whether you're tutoring a kid, donating a little bit of your time um, or a little bit of your money, just something to ensure that you know your community is supported and it is able to grow because what Chris was talking about was instead of a community growing and growing and then flourishing it is turning into um, a company coming in buying up all the land revitalizing it and then selling that land at a higher price and that um what that does is really doesn't foster any source of community and that is crucial in many cities including Detroit so any way that you're able to help out in your community to to make sure it stays the way it is in a sense that it is fostering you know a healthy growth and sense of community 
within the people who are living there, that is something to be encouraged. So I know Chris would would approve of all of us to kind of do our best to to maintain that to to do our best to get involved. So that's our show. Um, I appreciate you guys listening and definitely make sure to like, subscribe and give a review on iTunes and we will see you next week. Thank you.